So this morning, um, that's the passage in James that we're going to explore and we're going to talk about. You know, we decided this summer to uh, jump into a place of wisdom of asking, what, it, what is it best for my life? Because we do it all the time. You go buy, you shop on Amazon or something like that, right? You check the reviews, and it's funny that we, we check reviews, we learn really easily about what to do or not do in the little things. But sometimes in the big things in life, we just keep doing the same dumb stuff, right? Like we keep making decisions. We're like, oh, why did I do that again? And so we really want this summer to be about seeking God's wisdom, to say, God, what is it the wisdom that you have? Because this is what, this is what James says, if you want wisdom, if you want to know what's best for your life, ask God and he will give it to you. So this morning, um, we're going to talk about something that we can all identify with in one way or another, and that's regrets. More particularly, how to avoid regrets, how to keep ourselves from having the same regrets or other regrets over and over and over in our lives. So I read recently, it's a 2016 study in Time Magazine, and it uh, said that 32% of people that they polled, 32% said that they had a major life regret. 32%. That means that if that, if that, not, that number is accurate, someone to your left or your right today has a major life regret, right? So, I mean, you look to your left or your right, and if, if they look like they don't have one, then maybe it's you. But somebody has a major life regret. Now, if 32% of us have a major life regret, if one-third of us do, how many more of us have small and medium regrets? Things like, man, I just spent so much time at work and not with my family this year. Or, you know, I... Man, I said that, you, you, that moment where your words come out of your mouth and you're like, no, I want to get them back, but it's too late. And you can't get them back and you regret it. Or some self-centered choice that you know you made this year and you didn't even realize it was self-centered when you made it, but then you saw the harm that it caused. You saw the consequences. You were like, oh, gone it. I can't believe that happened again. And I, we can all relate to this. And I, and I know this because I'm a pastor, right? Like a, I hear from people, this one, and you know what they say when they come into my office? When someone comes in to meet with me, by the time, by the time they go to their pastor for help, right? Like, like, what's happening in them is so deeply regretful. And almost every time when I meet with someone and I hear their story, and, and I know when they're going to say, like, man, I, 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 just, I, don't even know what, I don't know where to start. I know where they're going to start. They're going to start at some place about talking about I knew it wasn't God's best. I knew I was falling short. I knew it wasn't the right thing to do. I did it anyway. And I had no idea what it would cost. And now here I am, and I don't even know how to undo what I did. And I've got a major regret. So the question I think we all relate to today, the question that James is answering is, how do I avoid this? How do I keep from having these big regrets and these small regrets in my life? How do I live a life that's better than that, that has wisdom? And so James offers wisdom today. And if you want to open up your Bible, your Bible app, you can also check. And this little thing has the scoop. Um, it'll have an outline you can follow along in the scripture in there. But we're going to be in James chapter 1, um, starting in verse 12 this morning. And uh, we're going to walk through a little bit of wisdom that James offers us about how to avoid this. So here's what he says in James 1.12. He says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. 
And afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, if you're in your outline this morning, I just want you to underline two words. Or in your Bible app, you can highlight these. God blesses. So I want you to underline blesses, and I want you to underline endures. These two words are really important. They tell us a lot about what James is trying to tell us here. So, so I want to explore what they mean in the original language, the Greek, for those of you who are Greek here this morning. And so... Here, here's, here's the underlying meaning of these that you might not get as an English speaker. God blesses. Now, if you look up this word, and, and we, Christian, if you've been in church a long time, you probably heard this word oh, so overused, you're not even sure what it means anymore. But here's what the intention of this word is. God grants happiness. This word blesses is equated with happiness. Right? So some of you hear that this morning, and you might be like, in the context of this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying, this guy is saying that God gives happiness, grants happiness to those who are in troubled, difficult times. That's what you're telling me? To those who are in the middle of a mess, God gives happiness? That doesn't even make any sense, Andrews. That has, I can't even imagine that happening. You might be like, I don't know about that. Or maybe some of you have been in the church a long time and you hear things like God gives happiness, God's going to grant you happiness if you just do this, and you think it's like feels a little shallow to you, you know, a little prosperity gospel, like if you just do this right formula, everything's going to be happy in your life, right? Smile, like, you know, if you want to be happy, clap your hands. There's songs in our culture about that. And you're like, it just feels a little shallow to me. Like, but, but I want you to understand the kind of happiness that James is really referring to. And, and, and you all, you're familiar with this. You, you've had moments in your life like this. In fact, I was just talking to my wife this week, and she was talking about a moment like this, where um, she had this moment with one of our sons. And she said, I just, in that moment, I was like, wow. God, thank you. Thank you for him. He just did so. so he, and, and you've had these moments, like if you're a parent with your kids, where they they're actually getting along, and they're doing something. You just sit there, and you're like, wow. Like in this, you know as a parent, it's like this brief moment that you're like, I got to savor that one, because there's a whole lot of the other ones, right? I'm going to savor this one. No, or maybe, maybe it's in a friendship where you're just like, that person speaks something into your life, and you just have this deep sense of happiness. This deep sense of satisfaction and fulfillment, like you feel that blessing, this happiness that goes really deep in your life. That's what James is talking about. Now, James is not talking about just a, a formula here. He's talking about something even bigger than that. And next week, we're going to talk about blessing and its relationship with obedience. But this week, James is talking about blessing and its relationship with God. What does it have to do with God? And what's it have to do with our nature and how we react in difficult times? So let's, let's underline the second word that I told you. Let's talk about the second word I told you to underline, endure. Now this word endure in the original language actually means to abide, to remain, to tarry. Because you might hear this word endure and you, you read that in the English, be like, who patiently endure, like, and patiently get through the testing, get through the hard time, who just drag their feet to make it to the other side. But that's not what the intention of this is. James's intention here is to say, those who patiently abide. Abide in what? Those who patiently wait. Wait for what? What is he talking about here? Because this is 
really important. What does he talk about here? And where does he go after this? Because afterwards they will receive a crown of life that God has given them. Those who patiently wait on God will receive this crown. Now this, the picture is, remember, the, you've ever seen the Olympian reef, like the ancient Greek Olympian reef that people would wear as a winner? Like, that's what James is trying to give us a picture of here, is those who patiently endure, those who abide, those who wait on God in these tough times, in these trials, these, those who resist the urge to short-circuit the whole process, those who are in it, Receive this crown. God has this crown. God smiles on it. God says, you will win. Trust me, you will win if you wait. If you wait on me, if you patiently endure. Now let me ask this question. I think I know the answer to it. Do you know anyone who has ever regretted slowing down in a tough time when, there's, when they've got to make these big decisions? Do you know anyone who's ever regretted slowing down and waiting on God? But I bet you know a lot of people who regret rushing to fix it, moving too quickly, deciding for themselves and making a decision in their nature to say, look, whoo, move too quickly. So, so here's, the, here's the idea I want to talk about today that I want you to really grasp today, and that's this. Our nature, and this is what James is going to talk about, our nature leads to regret, but God's nurture leads to happiness. This is the overarching theme of the, these, these verses, the scripture that we're looking at today is our nature leads to regret, but God's nature leads to happiness. So God blesses us when we are nurtured by him. Now, you know the, the saying, when the times get tough, tough get going, right? Do you know what, it, you know what that actually means? When times get tough, the tough take shortcuts, Right? That's what we do. We pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. That's what it means, right? I get it. I get shortcuts. I get it going. I, I, and that's what we're all tempted to do. That's the, that's the truth of it. So let's just remind ourselves a little bit about temptation. Because you didn't grow up in church, this might be a little bit unfamiliar territory. Like, what does it, what, what's this temptation about? Like, it's defined all over the place. So let me, let me sum up a little bit of, like, in Christian theology, what temptation is really all about. In Christian theology, the t- temptation is really about the desire to choose to feel good rather than be good. Okay? It's, it's the desire to fulfill something, an appetite that feels good rather than thinking longer term about what it means to be good. And we do this all the time. And every time, and here's the thing, and you guys all know this, when you choose to feel good over be good, you always do it at the expense of your future and your relationships. Every single time. You know it. You've done it before. You've chosen to feel good rather than be good, and it costs you something. It costs something in your future. It costs you something in a relationship. We do it all the time, and when we do that, someone always pays the price, and we end up with regret. I mean, anyone who has ever had that sarcastic word, because it felt good, or got defensive in a situation and didn't love someone well, like on the other side of that, you felt the sting of regret. Anyone who has ever felt attracted to look at porn and said, yeah, I'm going to look at porn because I want to feel good, felt the sting of regret, betrayal when someone special in their life found out about it. And the trouble is, and this is the real trouble, when we get into challenging situations, really difficult situations, situations where we're like, I just want this to be over, we get desperate on the inside, don't we? 
Like the longer you hang out in that situation, the more desperate you become. This is how testing and temptation, why they're in the same scripture. This is why James ties them together. Because it's testing that often leads to temptation. It's in that situation you're like, I can't be patient. I can't wait anymore. i got to get this appetite filled. i gotta, I got to have a need what I need. And we're tempted to feel good. It's just, just part of our nature. Remember, this is, what God, this is what James is saying. Like, don't do that. We, we can become so desperate on the inside, right? Like, a rift in our relationship causes us to toy with the idea of a better relationship. Or sometimes it's, we get so desperate because we feel lonely. Like, we're in a situation, we feel lonely, or maybe we feel like a failure. Or maybe we just are, we feel like, I just don't want to feel these feelings on the inside. So what do we do to numb that feeling of a failure or numb that feeling of loneliness, we medicate ourselves. Right? We, we, this is part of our culture. I just need a glass of wine tonight. Just one more glass of wine, just something else to take. And, and I'm not condemning having a glass of wine, but here's what I am saying. If you're just numbing that, here's what you're doing. You're choosing to feel good over be good. And it's, it's natural. It is a part of who we are in our humanity, it is part of what happened to us. And our nature always leads us that way. So now listen, I don't know what your trial is today. I don't know, I don't know what that challenge is for you. I don't know if it's a financial challenge or a relational challenge. I don't know if there's a trial and a test in your career. But here's what I do know. I know that if you get desperate, I know that if you aren't patient, and you can't patiently endure, and you're just like, I just need to get this over. And you follow your nature. And you just react to it. You're going to have a regret. And if your choices keep leading you that direction, some of those regrets are going to be really big. Now, last week, Pastor John Bolton talked about running the 5K, and he was talking about like when he was in the 5K. And I found this true in any race that I've ever run in my life, and I haven't run a lot, but I've run some 5Ks. There's a point where it comes in that run where you're just like, I just want to quit. Everything in your nature is saying, give up, take the shortcut, especially when you're not even running the race, right? Like when you're, when you're just running for like your training, everything is saying, just take that shortcut road. Like don't, don't run the whole, not today. It's too hot. Like don't, it, it's too far. I just, Everything in your nature says choose to feel good over be good. Now, that trophy, the show was showing us this trophy last week. Like that, that trophy is this moment of choice of saying, like, am I looking towards the prize? Am I looking towards the future? Do I want something better than I have? And God is encouraging us to finish well. This is James' encouragement. Finish well. Because difficulties will test your faith. And you will be tempted to feel good rather than be good. It's just a part of our nature. And I want you to remember this. And this is James's message. Your nature. Follow your nature and it will lead to regret. Follow God's nurture. Allow him to nurture you. And it will lead to happiness. This is James' message for us. So he gives us some additional insight. He goes on to verse 13 and this is what he says. In verse 13 he says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me because God is never tempted to do wrong and when he, he never tempts anyone else. So, so let's just pause for a second. 
James is saying, listen, I know it's tempting to point to God and blame him when tough times come. I know it's tempting to say, like, it must be, God, why are you doing this to me? God, it's your fault that I feel this way. And James is saying that's not what God's intention is. Life is what life is. Life is challenging. And until God changes all of that and his kingdom has fully come, it's going to be challenging. Life is hard, but here's what, here's what James is saying about God. God wants to nurture you in that situation. God doesn't bring that crazy into your life. We do plenty of that ourselves. Others do that, but God chooses and wants to enter in and nurture you. He doesn't want to tempt you. He doesn't want to lead you astray. He wants to nurture you. Now get this, verse 14, temptation comes from those other people in your life who just aren't kind, right? Like that guy at work, that's what tempts me to swear is that guy at work. He all, like, I'm just so tempted by that, right? Like, or temptation comes from my kids because they're driving me crazy, right? Now, this is not what just James says, what does temptation come from? Does it come from out there? Is it like, uh, was it Bing Crosby, the devil made me do it, right? Like, it's the enemy. This is a Christian thing, right? For those of you who've been Christian a long time, the enemy is really working against me right now and tempting me. What does James say? I'm not saying that's not, doesn't have any truth to it, but what does James say? Temptation doesn't come from out there. Temptation comes from in here. See, you have deep needs and desires on the inside. Every one of you has a deep desire to be loved, to be significant, to be important, to be secure. You have a desire to have a purpose in your life. And if it's not right in front of you, you can't get that right now and you have to wait for it, your temptation is to go try to get it yourself. Try to fill that. You have an appetite in you and you want to fill it. So you choose to feel good. Rather than be good, you short. You take the shortcut to try to get there. So temptation, James said. James is kind of saying, like, listen, there are desires deep down within you, legitimate needs. You're hardwired to have them, to long for God. And when you try to fill them in illegitimate ways, when you try to get that good thing in a not so good way, when you try to force it to happen. God calls it sin. That's temptation. That is our temptation. And every time we do that and we choose to feel good rather than be good, what's it do? It costs someone something. It costs us something. So regret is most often caused when we choose to fulfill God-given legitimate desires and needs in illegitimate ways. That's the basis of temptation to get those legitimate needs filled in our own illegitimate ways, any way we need to do it. And it is a part of our nature. Now, let me ask you, how many of you guys have ever like picked apples, or maybe even in your house you have like one of those little apple things, and you go to grab an apple? And if you've ever picked an apple, maybe you've had this experience before where it looks good on one side, and you go grab it, and it's rotten on the other. Your fingers just go right, right through it, and you're like, right? Like there's a worm, there's something, and there's just, so if you've ever had that experience, I want you to kind of 
picture that for a second. Because here's, here, here, how many of you have ever done that? And you thought, I got this rotten apple, it looks really good on this side, so it's kind of rotten on the other side. So you know what I'll do? I'll just polish it up a little bit. I'll just, I'll just work on it a little bit, and then it won't be rotten. And then I, then I can eat it. Then I can enjoy it if I just polish it up and make it look better. Like, who does that? No one does that. That's, that's ludicrous. It's crazy. And yet we do it all the time with our own nature. Our own rotten nature. Go, oh, I'm just going to polish up this nature because I'm in a hurry and God is taking too long. So let me just polish it up a little bit. And my nature is just like that apple, you know? And here's the newsflash. It's not going to get less rotten. It's not going to happen. God didn't come to polish your apple. God didn't come to make your old nature less rotten. God came to give you something new. His spirit to change you. And as long as you work on that old nature and you try to live out of that old nature, you are going to be exhausted by it. It will not become less rotten. This is what the Apostle Paul says in in Ephesians 4.22. He says that your desires are corrupting your old nature more and more. I've I've been a follower of Jesus now for more, more than 20 years. And I, my nature is not more patient in the line at the store. It's not more patient when I get behind the wheel. Pastor Ron just, I was going somewhere with Pastor Ron this week and I said something sarcastic and he was like, like he makes some comment about like, well, that doesn't seem very pastorally, like, you know, in this mocking way of me, which is appropriate for my sarcastic comment. And, and I said, and Ron, this is why I need a lot of time with Jesus because I'm not getting any better without him. This is true of every single one of And this is the promise that that Paul gives us in Galatians 2.20. If you look up Galatians 2.20, you'll find this promise of, listen, the old nature can be put away, the rotten nature, just put it away. Let it die on the cross. Let it go rotten. And instead, let Christ become alive in you. Focus on the new nature that God wants to give you, his spirit. This is the good news that James is giving us as well. He's saying, listen, God wants to nurture you. He wants to give you happiness, but you got to abide. You got to slow down and say, I want his goodness. Instead of trying to feel good, God, I'm going to seek to be good. I'm going to seek your spirit. I'm going to seek what you want to do in me. I want to seek your Holy Spirit. Well, you got a deeply desire for these needs that I have, and I need to express them to you because God, I don't feel loved right now, or I don't, I don't feel significant. I, I have this stuff going on in my heart. God, will you come and meet those needs? And change me. Because if you keep feeding your appetite, it will keep growing. You see, this is just the basic truth of our old nature. The more you feed those appetites, they never get satisfied. Now, you know this because you've done it before. You fed that appetite and you, it just grew in you, Right? You did that thing that you short-circuited the process to feel good, and it felt good, and then you did it again. And then you did it again, and it's never satisfied. So this is the truth about appetites, right? The more you feed it, the more it grows. If you feed your old nature, it will just grow. And this is, this is James's advice for us. 
In the scripture, James says, listen, if you keep feeding it, here's what's going to happen. That, you're, going to be, you're going to be enticed to sin. And when you keep being enticed to sin, your heart is going to grow cold and dead. And the result is death. This is, what, this, is, this is the forecast. This is the crystal ball. This is what's going to happen in your life. Keep feeding that old nature, and it will keep growing. The appetite will grow, and pretty soon all you'll have is the appetite left. And your desire for God will be squashed. And you'll experience death in your relationships. And you'll experience death in your relationship with God. And you'll experience death in all these consequences that you have to endure. And all those things you thought you were doing to make you feel significant and loved and appreciated and affirmed and valued, you'll find that none of them have come true. And that the thing that eludes you the most, that you want the most, which is happiness, it's still outside your grasp. And James warns us, your nature, your self-centered nature only leads to regret. It's God's nurture that leads to happiness. Now the good news is this. This is what James is saying. Listen, it is not outside your grasp. It is not impossible. In fact, God wants it for you more than maybe you want it for yourself. And this is his real encouragement here. God blesses, God grants happiness. And here's the only thing you need to do. You need to wait for it. You need to abide in God and say, God, I'm going to wait for your goodness. I want your goodness, God. Now this might be this might be new news to some of you. I mean, you hear this, this conversation about choosing to be good over feel good, and here's what you hear. Somewhere in you're going, yep, there's God again, the cosmic killjoy, right? Always denying me of what I really want. Always saying, don't do this, don't do that. But nothing could be further from the truth. Because what God is really saying here is this. I deeply desire to give you happiness, deep happiness, not short-term solutions. I deeply desire to nurture the life of Christ in you instead of letting you live out of that old rotten nature and let it continue to rot. So let it die because I want to give you life. I want to give you something new. Let me ask you, when has a self-indulgent life ever led to a happy life? When's that ever happened? You know that's true. You know that it doesn't. And I want to tell you how you know. Because when you go to a funeral, you have never heard anyone in a funeral say, man, love that Joe. He was a great guy. He slept with any woman that would have him. He drank himself into a stupor every day. He, he was self-indulgent. He, he made decisions all the time that hurt everybody else in his life. What a great God. Nope. How do people measure happiness? Man, that guy, he chose people rather than him. That, that guy always prioritized others in life. He loved well. He, he laughed well. He was generous. That's how we measure happiness. And that's what James is encouraging us to do. And that is not where our nature leads us. See, James is saying, and this is what he wants us to remember, that when you patiently abide in God's nurture, 
to nurture his spirit in you, to nurture his supernatural life in you, that instead of you trying to sweat it out and make it happen yourself through your old nature, you get to enjoy what God has given you. And too often, we are exhausted from living out of ourselves in our old nature. Too often, we have said yes to too many things in our life that is short-circuited and taken shortcuts, and we wonder why our heart is not alive in God. We wonder what that could be like. And this is what he's saying. He's like, listen, a happy life is one nurtured by God. So he gives us this final advice. Verse 16, he says, Don't be misled, brothers and sisters. Whatever is a good and perfect gift coming down from God the Father who created everything and lights in heaven. He he never changes, never casts another shadow. In other words, listen, God's not changing. And here's what's true about God. He gives good gifts. Now, the language here, here's how the, the, the Greek language here is a passive present future term. And so what it actually is translated, what the meaning actually is, is God is giving and continues to give continuously good gifts. And here's the truth that you must grapple with in your heart. Do you really believe that God is good? That He has good gifts for you? I'm not talking about do you grapple with that in your head. Some of you are great, some of you are great theologians who've been in church a long time and you know that the right answer is God is good. I'm asking you what your heart says when you get into these troubled times when things are going wrong. Does your heart say God is good? Just wait here and there are good gifts coming. Do you believe that that could be true? And that if you waited and abided in him and let him nourish you instead of trying to get it on your own and force your way to have it, that God could meet you there and change you there. Because this is the key to avoiding regret. So we end with this verse 18 with this one one word of advice from James. Here it is. He chose to give birth to us by giving his true word. And here's, here's what James says. The truth that I want to give you, the best gift of all is this. The thing that will deliver you in all of this and motivate you to stay engaged is this. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Did you catch that? We, out of all creation, became his prized possession. This verse is for you. It's for your heart. It's for your life. You have become God's prized possession. This is the real question for you today. Do you believe it? Deep within you, do you really believe that you are God's prized possession? Do you really Live into that. Are you still trying to make it on your own? Are you still trying to get life done? Or do you believe every day that God, God loves you so much, you are his prized possession, and no matter what failure you face, no matter what goes wrong in your relationships, no matter what happens in your life, no matter how difficult situations become, no matter how much it looks like God is just ignoring you because you, you, you're asking, God, why? Why is this stuff happening to me? Down deep in your heart, say, I am God's prized possession and I believe that, so I'm going to wait right here for God to meet me in that. In a supernatural way by His Spirit and His life. I want you to really get this today. 
I want you to try on this truth. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever tried to try on a new belief? To try on something new, like you try on clothes, like to say, I'm just going to try it on. So you might not even totally believe this today, but you need to just try it on. You just need to, to try it on, see how it feels for a minute. To, to, to actually picture for a second of like, what could this be like in my life if I really believed that I was God's prized possession? Because most of your bad choices, most of your regrets, I'm telling you, I believe this is absolutely true. Most of them come out of your self-rejection and your self-doubt that God could really love you. And so you choose to feel good rather than be good. You choose to operate out of that old rotten nature instead of living in the new nature that God's given you because you don't really believe it. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to read this verse aloud together, just the second part of it. And we out of his creation became his prize possession. I want to read that together. Will you read it with me? Just from the and forward. Ready? And we out of all his creation became his prize possession. Okay. Now I want you to really grasp this. So here's what I want you to try to do. I want you to try this on a little bit. I want you to substitute for we. I want you to substitute your name. Just slow down and read it again. I want you to put your name in there, and I want you to hear yourself say it aloud. Are you ready? And Sean, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Do you grasp it? I, want you, I really want you to picture what this could mean for you. Let's say it one more time, but this time I want you to just substitute I for we. Okay? And let's just slow it down. I want you to be able to savor it for a minute. Ready? And I, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Will you bow your heads with me and pray? And listen, before we pray with your head bowed, I just want you to take a moment. And I want you to sit in your heart. And I just want you to ask yourself, where am I? Where's my heart this morning? Maybe it's tired. Maybe you have worked really hard to avoid regrets in your life. Maybe you're a bit of a perfectionist. Maybe in some way you've lived out of your own nature and you just realize this morning you're coming, you're like, I am exhausted trying to be good. It is so hard. And this morning, isn't it time, and you feel this invitation to believe that you are God's prized possession, to say, God, come and nurture a new nature, a new spirit in me. God, I'm your prized possession, and I want to wait on you. I want to abide in you. Or maybe this morning your heart feels stuck. Just, it feels dead. It feels like it hasn't been alive in a long time. You've said yes to too many things, and you're just, this morning, you're asking yourself, could my heart ever really be alive again? Could I really have this relationship with God that is vibrant? Is that even possible? Could God really forgive me and give me a fresh start, a new nature? Listen, listen, hear this today in your heart. You are his prized, prized, most precious 
confession. He loves you. He wants to forgive you more than you want to be forgiven. Maybe today it's time to ask Him to give you a new nature, a new day. Or maybe you're just like me, you're just, you are fiercely independent. Your heart today, if you were honest, would just say, I, I love all this stuff, Sean, but I just, I've been living on my own a long time. I've been making my own decisions a long time, and I can't even imagine what it would be like to be nurtured by God, to abide in Him, to not just make these decisions on my own, to actually have joy and happiness because I've not found it anywhere in my rotten nature. I've tried so many things, and it just, they don't work. And maybe today, maybe even for the first time, you're, you're evaluating your relationships and your life, and you're saying, I, I want to be done with so much regret. I want to be done with trying so hard. I just I want to say yes to God. I want to ask Him for help. I want to today, maybe for the first time, just say, God, will you forgive me? Jesus, will you lead my life towards joy and happiness that you promise? So I'm just going to stop and pray now. I don't know where you're at in that space, but I'm going to pray this prayer, and I just want to invite you right in your heart where you are to pray something very similar. Dear God, you are a good and loving Father to me. I know sometimes my heart doubts that. Sometimes my nature leads to regret. And sometimes my nature leads me to feel good rather than be good. But if I slow down, you promise. If I slow down and I say, God, I want you more than I want to just feel good. God, I want your love in my life. I want to feel significant from you. I want to feel accepted by you more than I just want to not feel at all. God, will you nurture? Will you come and abide in me? I'm just going to wait. God, I know this, this thing that I'm going through right now is making me crazy. God, I'm just going to wait here with you. I'm going to ask you to meet me here. God, would you remind me that every time I make that choice on my own, out of my own rotten nature, it leads me to regret? And would you also remind me that you're always waiting and you're always willing to give me good gifts. So help me not to miss them because I've moved too quickly. Help me to wait for them. To be nurtured by you, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I just want to give you a, a quick invitation to maybe have an assignment this week. I'm going to offer you two, two things. One is this. Um, some of you who are just like, I, I want to believe that's true. I just am having a hard time believing it. Maybe you'll take me up on this. Over the next week, every day, Will you just look yourself in the mirror and maybe you just want to write this verse right on the mirror? Would you look yourself in the mirror every day and say, I am God's prized possession. Don't do it in a hurry. Just slow down. Stay there until your heart can try it on. I am God's prized possession. Just every day this week, you just see. Just see what happens in your heart, in your life. Here's the second invitation I offer you. This, this weekend, we offer this thing called Taste of Sabbath. 
taste of Sabbath um, that's coming up is uh, just a way to slow down. You can see, find more information in your, in your scoop about it, but just a, it's a way for you to slow down. Ninth, just show up at 8.30 to 12.30, and they'll, just, they'll help you figure out how to abide. So you're going through tough times, or you just want to say, God, it's been a long time since I slowed down and was abiding you. I don't even know, sure, I know how to do it. Just show up. Just respond. Say, I'll, I'm going to be there. Take time. Let God nurture something new in you. Go have that experience. Let God do something. This morning, if you have any needs, you can fill out your response card this morning. We'll pray for them too. Because we want God to meet you. We want him to change your life. Just take a couple minutes to let God do something new in you. Let's, let's worship today.